With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome in listeners to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast where we're always talking everything college hoops. want to say thank you to Blob Talk Radio for powering us up and Bell Jar for getting us in and out. And we want to thank you, the listeners. You could have been anywhere else in the dial, but you chose to be here with us, Mike and Gus. And we are back at it to talk some college hoops for the listeners out there. Mike Randall, how's everything going? Happy start of the school year to you. Happy start to the school year, Gus. And there is no better visual of what our podcast is going to bring you from here on through the NCAA championship in 2019 than Dominic Team versus Rafael Nadal last night. Just hard-hitting, relentless, fantastic Feats of athleticism and intensity, sports intensity, and that's what the Screen the Screener podcast brings you. We are team versus Nadal. That's what we are. By the way, I, I got my eyes on some of that match, and his footwork is absolutely phenomenal, and the way that he can fan his uh, forehand all over the place is absolutely outstanding. Like That's a total underrated part of his game, and he's coming at you lefty. It's much like you know when you're guarding a lefty, you, 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 you kind of shade, uh, I, I guess, to the right. But then when he explodes left on you, it's all over. And that's the same thing with Nadal. He's incredible. Love that match. Kind of rooting for him in the U.S. Open. Gus, as you and I, I mean, you've known me the way we compete in athletics, right? Team was struggling, okay? And this is not a tennis podcast, okay? But really quick, you know what his coach said? His coach like threw his hands in the air and said, you know what, man? This is what you got to do. Hit the ball as hard as you can on every single shot. I mean <laughs> – Honestly, that is like my heaven of a coach to say that. Like, imagine like your basketball you, coach says, just attack the basket as fast as you can for the entire team. I mean, like, what, just be, be, in, be in attack mode. Well, I mean, that's pretty much how I figured out how to run track, right? A pick a race to just run as fast as you can for as long as you can. But honestly, coaching brilliance, just like us, Roy Williams, coaching brilliance, huh? Uh, yeah. Can we get to, can we reference that a little bit later in the podcast and get back to your, that, that podcast where you compared Roy Williams to uh, Coach, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Coach Krzyzewski, uh Coach Cal, and then, of course, Coach Self. And during that 15-year span, which was an incredible time period to take a peek at because it does encapsulate uh, the prime years for all of those coaches. Maybe take Coach K out of that uh, prime year discussion. But I think it frames it nicely and it definitely illuminated the coach that I didn't think it would illuminate in that discussion. So that discussion I think was really worthy and totally back. And just one more thing about the Nadal thing. Did you see how far back he was standing on the surface? You couldn't see below his head. It's incredible. 
It's, it's like incredible. By the wall. It's incre- our, our, our good friend, Dr. Tony, who we talk about all the time, was upset. He's like, you don't like soccer, but you like this? Yes, I do. I like people who hit the ball as hard as possible on every swing. Yes, that appeals to my sensibilities. Sorry, Dr. Tony. Uh, yes, uh, our athletic sensibilities. All right, so listeners, here's what we're going to do for you guys on this particular podcast. We thought that instead of uh, diving deep on something uh, specific like players or coaches, we thought that we would just go an overall six-pack. We're going to go six-pack of teams. The six-pack of teams that we're going to try to present to the listeners out there are going to be teams that may or may not, depending on what top 25-ish list that you look at preseason, they, these teams may or may not be inside that preseason top 25. But Mike and I think that maybe sometime during the season – they're going to get some buzz. They're going to get some also receiving votes, or they might even just be inside the top 25 uh, at some point during the season and be sniffing a March invite for their squads. Now, these squads are somewhat going to be familiar. Uh, most of mine are kind of uh, familiar within the five past five years, and but we think that because of the guard play, because of who they have returning, because of their coaching prowess, these teams are going to be a factor this year, even though most of them, not all of them, but most of them were on the outside looking in last year. So, Mike, do you just want to alternate uh, team by team and then we'll comment on each one? Does that sound okay to you? Alternate and attack as aggressive as possible. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's the theme. Speaking of attacking as aggressive as possible, I think if you're thinking of attacking on the defensive end, one of the teams that you're going to think of is Cincinnati, right? We, we, you have written your uh, Valentine's note to Coach Cronin, and you said that, look, Cincinnati is going to be a factor. I think that's one of the teams you might have even predicted uh, at some point last season to get into the Final Four. And this pick for me, as far as my six-pack of teams that might be outside of a traditional top preseason top 25 that may sneak their way in, is simply in a Mick We Trust pick. That's all it is. I trust Mick Cronin. Even though he's losing wings, Jacob Evan and Gary Clark, they're both going to be NBA guys. They're long gone. The Bearcats will defend. They're going to value possessions. And you know that they're going to effort. And I think if we're going to look in one direction or another as far as where some of the points going to come from, where some of the ball handling uh, responsibilities going to come from, I think obviously you're going to look at Jaron Cumberland. And I think you also have to take a look at Kane Broom. I wouldn't be surprised if Cumberland is an all-AAC guy, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kane Broom gets a little bit more responsibility this year. And maybe one of those swing guys that Mick likes so much to give uh, some of the offensive responsibility to might be Keith Williams, sophomore out of New York, guy that we like, East Coast guy. So, And, of course, we don't want to figure out Justin Jennifer. So I think my first team that might be on the outside looking in, especially because of what they lost last year, might be Cincinnati and the Bearcats. I think they're going to play hard. They're going to value those possessions. And I think Mick is going to coach them up. Yeah, they're going to be more comfortable this year, Gus, than they were last year. Maybe they're just not the type of team that wants to be the hunted. They want to be the hunter, the hunter, right? Hmm. Gary Clark, Jacob Evans, Kyle Washington, all gone. Kane Broom is back. 
You know what, Mick? You got to get some offense going. That was the problem against Nevada. That's why you'll go down the books blowing a, a historic, what was it, 22-point lead. You need yeah. some offense. You need somebody to score. Gus, why do I have the feeling that Kane Brune will not be starting this year? Why do I feel like he's going to make him come off the bench again? I like Williams. I agree with you. Justin Jennifer's great if you like mannequins that can't score. I, I listen. I think that I, I think that they're gonna. They're a tough out. They play tough at home. They had that fantastic game against Wichita State. Absolutely great game. Jaron Cumberland's gonna be their leader. I just think they're gonna be more comfortable this year, and they'll be a very live underdog in some of their games. They'll be solid. Absolutely agree with you. But unless they let Kane Broom, you know, get above his what do you have seven and a half points per game last year, they're gonna just struggle. About. I love the down screen, back screen defense. I'm all for it, Mick. You'll always be in my heart. Love the way you coach, but you need some offense, man. So somebody's got to pump in some buckets. I know they lost Gary Clark. They're going to put a statue of Gary Clark outside of Cincinnati because the plus-minus rating is the best. He was a really good college player. Absolutely. Very, very good college player. He's not dropping 20 in the NBA. So I'm with you. I think that they will be undersold a little bit, and I think they will be live, as you like to say. I just worry because I know Kane Broom's coming off the bench because he, he doesn't play enough defense and Mick's going to put him on the bench and that's great. You can either be Vinny Johnson or you can put him out there and he can kind of be your go-to guy there late in the game. I don't know. I, I'm happy, but you can tell I'm a little frustrated still with that loss in Nevada last year. I can, I can tell that in your voice. I do agree with their change of character where they were one of the favorites, you know, a two seed going into March last year, one of the favorites all year in the conference. Maybe that underdog-ish uh, definition for their team is more fitting for the characteristic and the vibe and the culture that they have going there. So I totally agree with that point. That's a great point. Uh, and by the way, they're going to be home again this year. They still their stadium should be done. No, or maybe they got one more season. Uh, no, I think they should be back at home in their friendly confines, even though they played at Western Kentucky last year. Yeah, I would hope so. I would absolutely hope so. But uh, the team I'm going to go with, I'm going to go one of the the darlings last year, if you will, of the tournament. Gus, I, I'm buying what Buffalo's selling. And last year, nice. I, didn't, I didn't give them enough credit. Uh, Nate Oates, fantastic job there. Destroyed Arizona. Absolutely crushed it. Those Arizona three guys, they had a foot out the door the whole time. They were ready to go to the NBA. But they yeah. bring back Nick Perkins. They bring back CJ Massenburg. They lost Clark, which is a big deal. But Oates is still going to be there. I love the way they play. They're exciting. And they are going to be a pain in the rear in the Mac. So love Buffalo. 27-9 last year. Made the second round. They were giving Kentucky all they could handle, by the way, in that second round. So I'm a big fan. Looking forward to see Buffalo this year go back at it in the Mid-American. I, I think if you're looking at the favorite in that conference, I think obviously they're favorite. I wouldn't be surprised if C.J. Massenburg is in the running for player of the year yeah, in that conference. yeah. Uh, I don't think that's crazy. I Versatile. wouldn't be surprised if he's Versatile. averaging like 20 points per game, right? That makes sense? They're not sneaking up on anybody. Much like the next team I'm going to bring up, Loyola Chicago, they're not going to sneak up on anybody and be like, surprise, here we are. They're, they're going to be – people are going to be ready for them. The scouting report's going to be ready. So they're almost the exact opposite script that we're describing with Cincinnati where people are kind of, – the, the antenna is up on Buffalo now, and rightly so. It should be. So I'm looking forward to seeing them play as well, and I want to catch a couple of those games in the Mid-America, like you mentioned. Um, how about, yeah, I think Loyola Chicago might be one of these teams, and uh, there, there was a nice article on CBS where they had trouble scheduling, so on and so on. Yep. But why wouldn't you love a team that returns the player of the year in the conference, Clayton Custer, and a new Coelacanth, Cameron Crutwig, 
the, the, the sophomore coming back who can kind of do a whole bunch of crafty things down in the post. And then you got Towns out on the wing. So I think they're going to ramble on. I, I think the Ramblers are going to be one of the favorites in the Valley. Uh, I know Illinois State's going to be great. I know the Redbirds are going to be great. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a battle up top between those three teams. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy, but I do think that Clayton Custer is going to be up for Player of the Year again, probably with um, Yarborough. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Crutwig, you know, gets from ten points per game up to like fifteen points per game. When you get some quality paint touches, your offense is going to run smoothly, and they're going to be one of those teams that. Because of the scheduling issues that they have, and like all mid-majors have, where they're trying to get these quality games. They got that great game against Nevada uh, in the uh, conference-on-conference showdown with the, uh, with oh, the Mountain gonna be, West. It's going to be a fantastic game, 100%. Yeah, I think, I think that's uh, late November. I'm lo- totally looking forward to that. Gus, you know, and, Sister Jean just turned 99, by the way. Incredible. Are you, are you serious? No, nah, God bless her. Oh, my God. And if we're going to talk about karma for a team. I'll still, I, be, I'll still be mad at Bill Self when I'm 99, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> this team has unbelievable karma. And it does. It Sister does. Jean is part of that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna include Loyola Chicago. I know in some other top 25-ish uh, rankings they might be very high or they might be on you know on the tail end. Uh, but I think that they're one of those teams. If they just keep winning, I think the name recognition now, much like uh, Buffalo, uh, I think the name recognition people will vote for them. And now that they know who they are after that final four run. Yeah, it's a great call. Loyola Chicago is not a one-hit wonder. You know, people forget last year, so they ended they ended up 32-6. and six, They go to the Final Four, right? right? But people understand is three of those losses came when Clayton Custer did not play. He was out from early December into early January, right? And here's the games they played there. They crushed Norfolk State 80-52. Then they lose at Milwaukee 73-56. A Final Four team lost at Milwaukee by 17. Then at Missouri State, they lose 64-59. Then they beat Evansville barely at home off a two-game losing streak, 66-59. Then they lose at home to Indiana State, 61-57. I think that's why they went off the radar. I talked about this on our our, uh, private pod for the patrons. And folks, please look at Patreon. Consider supporting the podcast financially. I just added another podcast that I support as well. It's important. We love doing these these shows for you guys, these podcasts. We love college basketball. We're junkies like you are, are hoops junkies, but we could use your support. Little something there, six bucks a month. You get a private pod every week from Gus or I or both, depending. That's $1.50 for the extra pod and all the other stuff we do for you is free. So I did this on the private pod. I think it's important to note Loyola Chicago, 15-3 and three in conference, Okay. Two right. of those losses I just mentioned were in conference. One was not. 15-3 yep. in conference in the regular season. That's why I think they were off the radar. I think the teams that dominate their conference, that are by far and away the best team, and they certainly were, by the way, because once they got into the tournament there, in their own conference tournament, they rolled. So ended up beating Illinois State in the championship game 65-49. So really wasn't that close. I think we need dominant teams in these conferences each and every year. In the, in the Missouri Valley, they're going to be the dominant team again, and I think you're absolutely right. They'll be back, and they're going to be a tough out. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt they're going to make an impact somewhere during the season, and maybe it's not going to be another Final Four run, but I hope that they make an impact where people are going to notice and people take uh, people are going to be interested, but then also pay attention to the plight of the middling mid-major that has trouble scheduling and doesn't get those quality games, and then that's held against them later on the selection process in March. Totally agree. Gus, can we talk about Western Kentucky? 
Okay. We can. I, I mean, can we talk about what Rick Stansberry's doing? Yeah. I mean, he has an ability re- to recruit, and that's what he's doing. And this is a team that has to be on the radar. Now, listen, some of the guys end up going there and leaving. We understand that. But they did a nice job in the NIT after losing to Marshall in the Conference USA title game last year. They yep. were 27 and 11. They reached the NIT semifinals. And they're going to have a fantastic backcourt. Lamont Bearden, they got sophomores Josh Anderson and Tavion Hollingsworth. Both showed a lot of promise. They got the recruits coming in. I think the Hilltopper is going to be an issue, Gus. What about you? Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I love Hollingsworth. Not only do I love his hair, but I love his game. I think he's really slippery, and I think he's really crafty with the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if he is one of the top guards in that conference. And if you're going to bring up Western Kentucky – Let's not forget about Bassey. He's reclassified. Yep. He's this unbelievably giant human being that also happens to be excellent at basketball. Now, if you remember last season, they missed out on Mitchell Robinson, and we followed his Hamiltonian path to the Knicks' second-round pick in this pa- this year's past NBA draft. I think that Bassey might actually have as big of an impact, if not bigger, at Western Kentucky and in conference and I'm going to say I think he is an automatic double-double thing waiting to happen in conference if they give him 28 minutes of playing time. If you can double a dub, if you can if you can double up with Bassey down low, Hollingsworth out on the wing running the show, make being creative with the ball, I think Western Kentucky is going to be an issue. I am right with you. I think the Hilltoppers might actually have something brewing. Along with Bassey, Lamont Bearden didn't play last year. Talks about Hollingsworth. He's got to be the mad scientist. If Stansbury can bring this together and meld it with these transfers and these different talents, they're going to be an issue. Oh, without question. I, I think even if they have a rocky start, I think once they get in conference and they're one of those teams that you talked about that dominates in conference, I think they're going to be really dangerous. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all, especially with the combination of players they have. I think that recipe might actually work at the mid-major level. And then who knows? Maybe surprise a team or two in March if they get there. That yeah, sounds good. Absolutely. Uh, one of the teams we've been rooting for, pulling for, just absolutely grabbing at to make to see if they can get back to relevancy and be important on the college basketball landscape, especially on the East Coast. It's Dr. Tony's St. John's Red Storm, right? Don't we want St. John's to be relevant again? Don't we want to be talking about them? besides that one week that they had last year where they defeated uh, the national champions, uh, Villanova Wildcats, and then defeated Duke. Don't we want to talk about them otherwise besides that one week? This might be the year that we talk about them. The reason we might talk about them is potential Big East player of the year, Shamori Pons, returning. He got a little taste at the NBA draft and decided to come back. He averaged 22 points a game, and if you can throw in This is still pending as we podcast, so still pending. If we can get Auburn transfer, Mustafa Heron, who averaged 16 points a game at Auburn in the backcourt with Pons on the wing. This is a Big East team that is ready to make some noise, and I wouldn't be surprised if this Red Storm team makes a TCU-type jump from absolute basement dwellers to March invite hopefuls this season. And I think it's going to be led by Pons. They do have some players on the wing. Uh, I, I, I think that Mullen, this is a make-or-break year for him. You want it's to see him get it right it's, as, it's as, as alma mater. 
So I'm rooting for St. John's being one of those teams that might make that jump. They had a run there in the middle of the season where their record dropped. They were to 10-13. and 13. I think they lost what they lose. Yeah, they lost 10 games in a row. Things were going the wrong way. And all of a sudden, Chris Mullen, who's a winner, okay, wins home against Duke, big upset, at Villanova by four, home Marquette, at DePaul. Nice little run there. Then they lost a couple tough ones, and they beat Butler at home in two overtimes, beat Georgetown yeah. in the tournament. I agree with you. Mustafa Heron and Shamori Pons is one of the best backcourts in the country, 100%. If he gets cleared, absolutely. There's magic that goes on in New York. I know Villanova got their big five-star recruit today. Our friend who's a Villanova fan was fired up. But certainly the Big East overall looks to be a little down. I, I like this pick. I think they can they can make a lot of noise here in the Big East. And do you know who's on the coaching staff with, with Mullen? Mitch Richmond. Oh, that's right. Yes, TMC. You know, we loved TMC. Yeah, that, that's Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, and Chris Mullen back when they were with the Warriors. The other story, yeah. Gus, you were there with me. Eastern Invitational Basketball Camp. Chris Mullen comes to talk to us, okay? Steps out of the limo. No warm-up whatsoever. Starts addressing all the counselors. I'm there in my headgear and glasses watching them. Banged 27 of 30 NBA threes with no warm-up whatsoever. That, my friends, is a player in the National Basketball Association. <laughs> That's that, the difference right there. That was so impressive. Right he's, in front of he's, us. He's amazing. Yeah. Right. Well, I lost my Brian Oliver jersey because I left the ticket with the chocolate milk. and the, You were there for that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Gus, can we talk about the Jackrabbits from South Dakota State, please? I mean, every year we talk about Mike Dom. We're saying, is he coming back? Is he going? He is coming back. He's coming for his senior year, as he promised. And they're going to be an issue. 28-7 and seven last year. NCAA tournament first round. Gave Ohio State all they could handle. Dawn was incredible. Last year, 23.9 points per game. 10.3 rebounds. Skylar Flatten. Tyler King. David Jenkins, sophomore. Now he's going to be a junior. They'll be there. Of course, they'll be the favorites in the Summit League. But could this, Gus, be the team, much like Loyola Chicago, that dominates their league, that no one talks about, and all of a sudden, led by Mike Dom, who already popped last year against Ohio State, showing he belonged with Kata Bates-Diop, could they win a game or two in the tournament? Yeah, without question they can, Mike. Yeah, that's a great call. And by the way, I love that I'm going kind of like bigger school or more known schools, and you are going total under the radar, mid-major. I love that we're switching roles here. This is fantastic. Yeah, you're Nadal and I'm team. Okay, so <laughs> you, you you can get the. I, I have to bring the, the the beforehand all the way back. Okay, oh, slapping it, slapping it back and forth. They're nice. I and like I'm it. going South Dakota State. And, and there's not even going to be Reed Tullinghausen anymore. Who, of course, as you know, is one of my Very favorite nice. players. One of my favorite players, Reed Tullinghausen. Yeah, he, he was oh. fantastic. Uh, okay, so here's why they could. Number one, they're going to have one of the best players in the country. Uh, I equate. Dom's season to maybe uh, McDermott's season when he decided to come back. Ooh, good comparison. Very nice. How about this? His numbers might look identical if you just look at points and rebounds. I wouldn't be surprised if his usage rate goes up, his percentages from three and the free throw line improve, and I wouldn't be surprised if his assist number and his turn his assist number goes up while his turnover number goes down. Of course, all scouting reports are going to be pointing in his direction, but guess what? He's going to have some help. Jenkins can play, man. He can shoot it. He can create off the dribble a little bit. He's pretty shifty back there. He is exactly the Robin that Dom needs to his Batman. I think that if you have a stud in the tournament, you have a chance to win a game. If you have a stud and a co-star, you can do some damage then. You can get things rolling. So I don't think it's crazy for you to say, like, 
They might be ranked in the top 25. They might win a game in March. They might make a run. You could say any of those things about the Jackrabbits, and guess what? It makes sense. Dom, just by the way, now listen, in his in his freshman season, only attempted 65 three-pointers, but it went up exponentially from there. His three-point percentage by years in college, 44.6, 41.8, 42.5. And this is a guy, folks, who's 6'9", 250 pounds, and he grabs double-digit rebounds. That, and we talked about this last year, that is a first-team All-American. I don't want to hear it this year. I totally agree, and I know going in, I, I'm sure that a bunch of places will have him on a first, second, or third-team preseason All-America, and rightly so. He deserves that type of status. He deserves that type of recognition for his play. And you love when the senior comes back for one more run when he's had success in the past. I love that he's going to come back for his senior season. And he's going to he's going to approach 3,000 points if he stays healthy, which is nuts. That's a mind-boggling number. He's a great so, player. He's a great player. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. A, a great call, by the way, on the team. I'm going to stick with the bigger conferences. And you know who else I think might make a big jump? And this is very similar to my St. John's. And we're staying in conference is Marquette. I, I just love that, that he, they're going to have one of the best guards in the country returning. How about Marquette? And how about Marcus Howard? Do you think Marcus Howard might be first in the conference in scoring and Shamori Pons might be second? You, I know, think that's, you, you know, Marcus Howard would be first in shots attempted. That's for sure. That, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with putting it up. <laughs> no, it's like true. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think Howard is one of those undersized guards that maybe doesn't get the reputation or the respect on the NBA uh, profile level that maybe he should, but should get all the love and all the dap on the college level and the collegiate level because little guards like that have a place. Just look at Frank Mason. Uh, look at Trey Young. Marcus Howard fits right into that size frame. Uh, he just might lead the Big East in scoring. And he's got, much like we talked about with your Jackrabbits, he's got a Robin. He's got Sam Hauser who averaged about 15, 14, 15 points a game, and he can shoot it from the wing. And how about an under-the-radar guy that might be a glue guy or might even explode and help out and be that third wheel for Marquette is a Sakar Anim. He averaged about seven to eight points. He might surprise on both sides of the ball. If Marquette can figure out how to defend just a little bit, then they're going to be a factor in the Big East and maybe one of those teams that pushes a Villanova team that graduated and had a number of players selected in this year's NBA draft. So I think Marquette is another one of those teams that might be on the outside or maybe on the, the tail end, at, you know, ranked 20 or 24, that might find their way into the top 25, and they'll have opportunity inside the Big East to get some big ones. They're going to be very live. They shoot the ball. They're not afraid of anyone. Coach Wojnowski, it's his time. He's been there now. He was first there in 2014. So we're talking about four years. This is his fifth year. I think he's ready to go. I think that they're going to pop. They certainly should. They're loaded. They have scoring back up the yin-yang, as you said. So Howard, Hauser, let it fly. Combined, that's 35 points per game, Gus. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that they, you know that he's going to bring the defensive intensity a lot of great stuff going out in Milwaukee. We know out there right now with the five serve form. So they're excited about playing some games there as well. I oh, agree. that's I think, right. That's a great point. Yeah. Great point. They have an interesting home court advantage. Excellent point. I think this is a very live team. They're exciting to watch, and that those two shooters are as good as anyone in the country. So completely agree. I think it's an excellent, excellent call. The next one I'm going to is Davidson. 
So they lose Peyton Aldritz, a screen well, the screener I, I, I favorite. I love your picks, by the way. Okay. This is, this is, screen, this is the, screen the screener favorite. But I will say this, and I said this last year to you. Kellen Grady is one of the best players in the country. I know the new fans to follow Stephen Curry. Everybody talks about Trey Young with Stephen Curry. Kellen Grady can shoot it, right? He has unlimited range, has a quick trigger, thin build. I understand that. But listen, what what can you do? It's, Michael Jordan started, everybody started dunking, right? <laughs> Stephen Curry comes through and bombs away. Kellen Grady is fantastic. Gumminson, Pritchard, that's a pretty solid core. McKillop's one of the best coach in the country. He will make adjustments without Aldridge. And how many times, Gus, have we seen a team lose their best player and the next year have that hangover, but in a good way, where they continue to score? I'm really in love with Kellen Grady, and I like Davidson. 21-12 and 12 last year, lost in the first round of the tournament. They're going back to the tournament, Gus, and they're going to be a live underdog as they always are. Here's what I think about Davidson, and I'm, 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 on, I'm on your boat here. I'm, I'm on the same boat with you. We're riding down the river together with Davidson. And shout out to my man AJ and Hank, our, our Davidson fans that are in the neighborhood and listeners to the podcast. Here's the thing. You mentioned that they might have a bit of a hangover, but you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is what happens to every Davidson team every year. They're going to get better because throughout the whole entire year and think about how much they improved last year until the end of the year. And then like, you know, like you said, they, they gave, uh, they gave Kentucky huge run. Yeah. In the, in the, in the, in the opening round. And that's what McKillop teams do. They get better throughout the season. There is no decline in his team play and accomplishment throughout the season. It's only a slight incline, if not steep incline. So you know that they're going to get better. And I, I'm with you on Grady. I think Grady's awesome. I think he's an NBA player waiting to happen. I'm totally with you on him. I'm very high on him as well. You know, there was 78-73. They lost to Kentucky. And I remember we talked about that because we looked at the Ken Palm stats and how Kentucky was great at defending the three. But it yep. was a 5-12 game, so some people wanted to pick it. It was close. We, we were confident it was going to be Kentucky. I just didn't think it was the right matchup. But Davidson proved a lot to me in that game against a team that defends the three very well who had a nice little run of their own right, okay, until they ran to get into uh, Kansas State there, right? Yep. Oh, of course. Yeah, that that impressed me. He's a great coach. He's got players. He's got shooters. I'll, I'll stick with Davidson. They're going to be a team that's going to be in that top 25 very soon. I'm with you. I bet they find their way in there, and especially in the A-10 this year. Because the A-10, there's no like definitive favorite. Uh, you know, URI has had some nah, uh, guys. it's up and down. Yeah, yeah. It graduated. No Hurley at Rhode Island. Right, yeah. It, you yeah. got it. You got it. So – if it's that wide open, why wouldn't you go with one of the best players in the league and arguably the best coach in the league? Kellen Grady, Paul. There you go. There's the <laughs> podcast title. Okay, go ahead. Oh, that's awesome. I love that <laughs> podcast title. It just sneaks uh, in. It's just it's amazing. It, it does. I like it. Uh, let's go. Uh, I'm going to stick with the big schools. I'm going to go NC State. Coach oh, Keats yeah. oh, Prince. Yeah. Like all over the program, right? Yeah. How much, how much has this – like the profile of this program improved since he stepped in as head coach, right? He, I know he's one of your favorite guys. Um, they have Torian Dorn, who's kind of like a, a do-everything stud, love what he does. Uh, Markel Johnson. Uh, they have CJ Bryce, who's one of the transfers from uh, UNCW. He's unbelievably efficient on offense. He can shoot it from deep. His uh, assist-to-turnover ratio is decent as well. You know, I'd love to tell you I love NC State. If Omar Yurt seven at State, I really would have liked him. Oh my God! Oh, <laughs> I love Christmas. I, I love that you still want the big man. There. I love him. Uh, the guy was on fire against the good teams. Against the bad teams, he had three fouls in two minutes. But against you know Duke, he's banging threes, holding his hand up. Omar Yurt seven going with Patrick. Okay, Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully he learns from the big man. Big man, big man coaching right there. I like that. I and then of course, I can't wait for Ewing to sit there and do. 
Is that your shot? Do you shoot that <laughs> shot in practice, Omer? Omer is going to say, Coach, I shoot every shot in practice. <laughs> that How great was that oh, sideline when they I, caught I like you it. saying that? Yep. And that's why he's going to be a good coach because he's totally honest and straight to the point. Yep. Uh, and then one of our, you know, one of the podcast favorites who's an absolute uh, karmic hero is Braxton Beverly, a six foot point guard. Love him. He's absolutely gutsy, not afraid of the big shot, and he needs to be on the floor in crunch time as an additional ball handler. So you love that all the parts that NC State has. I like Dorn. I think he's a possible all-ACC-type player, although it's going to be crowded, that all-ACC team. But if we're going to pick somebody from NC State to do that and get that accomplishment, I think it's Dorn. And you never know what team is going to sneak in, like Florida State last year, like uh, Notre Dame in years past from the ACC. There's going to be one of those teams that either makes a run in the tournament or surprises you during the season. And I believe that NC State could be that team, one of those teams this year from the ACC. Here's an odd one. You're going to laugh. We know that Mark Few is L Cool J, right? He's been here for years. Okay. Mar- Mark Few, Mama Said Knock You Out. That could be a podcast title, by the way. So he's the class of the West Coast Conference. Forget St. Mary's. I'm not going there. Gus, don't sleep on BYU this year. Okay? Wow. Here's why. They had no seniors last year. Okay. Right. They had no seniors. Dave Rose, phenomenal coach. Of course, Yoeli Childs talked about going to the NBA. He explored, Gus. We all explore now. That's a nice – everybody's into correct verbiage these years, right? I'm going to explore the NBA, which means I'm going to try to go pro but fail. But he's coming back. There are no, <laughs> there are no seniors. Gavin Baxter, who is a four-star player, he's making his debut after the Mormon mission. Okay? Right. Completely like this team. I think they're going to challenge Gonzaga. They're not going to beat Gonzaga for the title. Okay. But I think they're going to be the second best team. And I think Gonzaga going to BYU is going to be frisky. 24 and 11 last year. They return everybody. NIT first rounding out. I'm buying Dave Rose. I'm buying BYU moving forward. And I think they're going to be an issue there in the, in the West Coast Conference. It is like, I, I, I don't even know what to tell you. This is amazing. I love that you have these, like, I love the teams that you've selected for this six-pack. I may be Mormon I, after this is all over. I could make myself Mormon. Listen, I just want to find a foil of Gonzaga. I think you know that. Okay, so I, <laughs> yes. I'm a, they burned me last year. How do you not be Florida State? I, I, enough. Oh, I yeah. understand. I mean, give me, they had Rory. I understand that. Tilly's out. But they should have beat them without Tilly. Oh, my God. That was very frustrating for everybody on the podcast and, and Gonzaga. They don't want a title. It's not crazy. That's that's not a crazy thought at all. Uh, they'll be at, they'll be as good, if not better, this year. I'm totally with you. And okay, so here's my quick BYU take. Yeah, somebody else has got to step up there. Saint Mar- Saint Mary's lost uh, Jacques Landell, you know, an All America. And if you're going to have somebody else step up into the you know the next role, or I guess the next step, the stepping stone in that particular conference why wouldn't it be by BYU with one of the best players in the conference childs I think that makes sense and Rose has proven that he's done it before and you never know how those guys come back from their Mormon missions some of these guys come back and average explode and average double digit points after not seeing a basketball court uh, competitively for two years so there's always that wild card factor uh, with BYU and don't forget Gus Nick Emery who's a good shooter he yes. withdrew last year on opening night. They had the whole issue where he punched he punched the, the kid, Brandon Taylor. He punched from Utah a couple right. of years ago. So he's going to sit out the first nine games. But they're getting Emery back. They have a loaded team. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think they're an issue. Listen, do I think they're a tournament team? 
I'll tell you this right now. If they make the West West Coast Conference Finals, Conference Tournament Finals, they're going to make it this year. I think they're going to make it. I think they're an issue. They always play well. Dave Rose has a style and forget St. Mary's. So, yeah, do I think uh, they'll cover the nine-point spread at home against Gonzaga? Guys? Sure, okay? But I, I just like them. I think that at some point they can get on a nice run there and maybe sneak in, you know, top 25, 24, if all falls right there at some point. Interesting. Wow. that Your your six-pack is definitely a craft beer six-pack. I'm very much enjoying the taste of it so far. My uh, last one in my six-pack is going to be Wisconsin. And much like we talked about some of the returning players and the coaching, I'm going to say I believe in Ethan Happ and his slight expansion of his game. I think that we're going to have uh, Davison on the outside. He's one of the toughest players in college basketball. You remember when he had a separated shoulder yeah, and he tried yeah. to play through that? That guy's yeah. tough as nails. Yes, very good. And I think if you're going to uh, throw in like a, a third wheel there, I think it could be Iverson or Strickland, um, maybe even uh, Ford or Trice. If we're going to have a third score that uh, you know Coach Gar can go to, one of those guys might be able to fill it up enough maybe reach double-digit scoring-wise. I think everybody wants to see if Hap can expand his game out and maybe be that wing player as opposed to just being anchored down in the post and maybe allowing uh, Hedstrom or maybe uh, uh, Nate Reavers to, to take some of those post responsibilities or rebounding responsibilities and see if see if Hap can expand his game out, shoot a couple threes, defend on the wing a little bit, and maybe get his game NBA ready. So I think my last team in my six-pack is going to be Wisconsin. They will return after a major down year last year. Yeah, Ethan Happ, uh, he's been here for years. He did not have a good year last year. I remember I ripped on him and said, no way he's going to be an All-American. I expect a big bounce back. They're well coached. Michigan's going to lose a lot. You know, Michigan State, I think, you know, Lester's a little bit off. I talked about this on the Patreon podcast. Off yeah. of Izzo shine there. Indiana's going to be real good for sure. Purdue, of course, you know, no doubt about it. But, yeah, I could see Wisconsin being a player there in, in, in the Big Ten. No doubt about it. I think it's an excellent, excellent call. I think, I think there's an opening for them, and I think they might return to that top four status that they've held for so many years under Coach Gar and Coach Ryan, for sure. You know, there's a point at which I, I think you, you get a feeling in sports – and you know something's going to happen. Just like we've talked us, there's no doubt that the the Tony Bennett redemption tour is coming. Okay, we know that because it's just it, he's not going to go out like this and he's getting destroyed. It's just not going to happen, right? Nope. Yep. Yes or no question here, Gus. Got a couple for you. Ready? Rapid fire. Was Vermont one of the more popular teams that we thought could make some noise as a, as a mid-major last year when the season started? Uh, yes, you remember the game at Kentucky? Yeah, that was my second. You're stealing my questions. I'm believe it. Oh, sorry. Did sorry. they play incredibly well at Kentucky on November 12th when no one outside of me and you thought they could actually win that game? Mm-hmm. And did they lose Anthony Lamb for 17 games because of his broken foot? Possibly the best player in the conference. Despite that, did they win the America East, Gus, and then only lose to Maryland-Baltimore County by three? It's classic. Is Anthony Lamb back this year? He sure is. Is Ernie and Everett Duncan the brothers back this year? They, they are, yes. And is John Becker still their coach? He sure is. Then we're all going to sleep on Vermont, folks. Now, listen, they lost Trey Bell Haynes. Fantastic guard. I understand that. Legendary. <laughs> I'm telling you this. Vermont's going to be live again. John Becker's not done. I love this team. To win the conference tournament, get back in, and then be sitting there with one of these big schools like a Wisconsin Okay, in the nice. five in the five twelve game, and it's tied with two minutes left. Let's not you know, if we if we get disappointed, Vermont becomes the darlings. We all forget about them. 
Don't forget about him. John Becker coaches Fannie on. Vermont's going to be live again this year. And, and on a previous podcast, we, I, I brought this up with, uh, with when I was talking about some wings with uh, some Anthony Lamb. And it's not crazy that Vermont could have played the UMBC role last year. 100%. It's not, that, it's not crazy to think that. It, it, I mean, they came out of the same conference. They had beat them already during the season. Uh, that was it, that was an unbelievably tight conference game. It was one of those, you know, March games in uh, conference finals that you absolutely have to tune into and watch because it was so nail-biting. But I'm with you on Vermont. I've been on the Vermont bandwagon for a couple years now, and I am not getting off. I am riding hard with you with the Catamounts. Go Catamounts. And I think Lamb is one of the more underrated players in the country because he did not expand his game his freshman year until the very end of the season. And then he had his injury troubles last year, which limited his availability to be consumed as a player and be appreciated as a player. If he can be healthy this year, he might be one of the he might be one of the players that absolutely explodes on the scene, similar to one of the players that we started the podcast with, Mike Dunn. Gus, 2017 NCAA tournament with about 431 left. Ernie Duncan made a three. It's 68-63 Purdue in the 413 game against Vermont. They uh-huh. gave they gave Vermont all they can handle. They were supposed to have a big year, which was cut short. John Becker does too good job. Don't sleep on don't don't get off the bus. We're all everybody's off the bus, Gus. Me and you, we got two rows here. Okay, like on these private charter jets, because everyone's <laughs> off the catamount bandwagon. I got pancakes, you got the syrup, we got Vermont, let's go, okay? I, I love that. And if we go really go back into the archives, uh, if you remember, Biggie was on that team, and Lamb kind of played Biggie to a standstill in that yeah, game. As a freshman, okay? Yeah, yeah, as a freshman. He put up 20 points against arguably one of the top three players in the sport that particular year in Biggie Swanigan. So, I mean, Vermont has all the pieces. They have the coach that has had success, and they have a stud player, and they have program players that have been lifes and veterans lifers there that have been through the system and buy into the program. I love the Catamount picks here for the final pick of your six pack. If they only could have recruited Gary Clark, they could have won a national title. I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, Gary Clark. Uh, it's ridiculous. Sorry. All right. Moving on. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. Okay. We got anything left? What do we got here? Yeah, we got a couple of uh, just quick hitters here. And I think these are just more opinion pieces more than reporting pieces or uh, you know who we favor, who we like as fans and who we're looking forward to and who we might champion. But how about since – Coach Patino put out his book this week uh, for readers and consumers out there. What's your take on where Patino stands? Do you think he might coach again? And like, what's your opinion currently right now, 2018-2019 preseason? What's your opinion of where Coach Patino stands? Bad guy, good guy, bad coach, good coach, combination of something of that nature. And do you think we'll ever see him on the sidelines again? Rick Pitino will absolutely coach again. It's a fac- I saw the interview with Mike Greenberg today. He right. is 100% going to coach again. Please. Uh, yeah, well, that's what he said. Yeah, Bill Parcells right. said he wasn't going to coach either. I just watched a 30 for 30 earlier tonight while having my cupcake, mowing it down. Okay, upstairs, get chocolate milk, you know, kids to bed. He said he was back another year later at the Patriots. The- Rick Pitino is going to be back. He's going to come back right. bigger and better than ever. Listen. I think he's guilty, partner, of lack of institutional control. I, I agree with that. Do yeah. I think he knew? I heard him didn't talk about past past a uh, polygraph test. I don't think he knew that there were strippers in the dormitory. I don't. I, I don't think he sat there 
with whatever that guy's name was who ran the whole thing, Andre McGee. McGee. And, so, and Andre goes, you know, I'm going to the stripper party. I don't think so. I, I think there's a fear of the head coach. I think there's a respect to the head coach. Now, listen, maybe he should have dug around. I don't know. Maybe he heard something. He turned the other way on the bus. I don't know. Do, that, that dorm that it happened in, and he brought this up, was named after his brother. He raised money and named it after his brother. Okay. I don't think he's letting strippers walk in and out. He said, like, they asked the security guard. Security guard that said they looked like kids they were here. They dressed up like students. I believe that Rick Pitino – forget the whole thing with, with the woman in the bathroom and his wife. That's a personal th- – I don't get into that stuff, OK? okay. But do Fair. I think that he was Fair. running a corrupt program? No, I don't. I think he should have had a tighter leash on his coaches. I think he should have addressed some stuff that he didn't. Um, that's my belief. You know, you can go at Calipari for the whole Derrick Rose SAT. You can go at Roy Williams with the academics. Coach K didn't make a promise to Wendell Carter. I mean, that, that's kind of small potatoes compared to the other stuff. But I'm just saying, like, all these coaches have it. I want to believe, maybe this is pie in the sky, they're all good people, okay? And I think he's guilty of lack of institutional control. But he won at Kentucky. He won at Louisville. Gus, he will coach again. No doubt in my mind. I agree with that point. Will he coach again? I think it will be at a lower-profile program. And then I can see him having like the Jim Herrick type of success that he had at uh, University of Rhode Island where they make some sort of like miraculous run. He has one more go around, if that makes sense. And as far as like good guy, bad guy, I I agree. I think he was just – I think he needed to be more on top of things guy. That's what he needed to be. He needed to be more aware of his surroundings and more aware of his players and his program. And if you're going to be a top-level coach, I think that's something that you do. And I, I like the comparison that you made with the other top coaches. I think that makes sense. Everybody's got dirty laundry and skeletons in the closet. It just so happens that he had a couple of more skeletons and a little bit more dirty laundry, and that's why he's not currently employed at uh, Louisville University. And, um, and Gus, in the internet age, this is what I'm saying, everything comes out, right? Yeah, ta- they does. couldn't find any proof that he knew about And you know they looked. Okay, you know, they dug deeper and deeper to try to figure out, you know, what exactly was going on. All the stuff in Michigan State that's come out. Somebody would have said something. Someone has said, I heard Patino joking here, take some singles. Okay, you know, maybe, you know, hey, don't forget the Benjis. Okay, whatever the the term is for the hundred dollar bill. It didn't come out. I believe him, but I think maybe he should have watched it a little closer. I do not think that Rick Patino was encouraging strippers to come see his play in a building that he raised money for that he that he named after his brother who's passed away no i do not i, I don't think so uh, that, that, okay. that's, a, that's a great that's a great <laughs> point and how about how about this too if there's more follow-up from the fbi investigation where maybe an adidas person rolls on him i think that makes sense that maybe that might change the script moving forward but i think that's a wait and see situation i i, I mean none of us none of us are privy to that information. I, we have no, something would have come out with bowen here like they don't you know they had wiretaps of sean miller by the way which which he survived okay right. they yeah. have no wiretaps of patino i mean this is the internet age somebody has something i mean the whole thing happened with you know his mistress or whatever everybody's talking about it in the bar so i'm saying like patino knew this is going on no one has any proof it means he didn't know but he should have known it's louisville it got out of control the fbi thing the whole thing that's what I want to believe. Maybe I'm naive, man. But I'm telling you, he's coming back. He's going to come back to a, like you said, a low major program that's struggling. He's going to bring him in. Bruce Pearl got a second chance, right? Okay. He'll Good be point. back. He'll be back. Okay. He will be back. These guys are uber competitive. 
Okay, he's going to coach the 3-2 matchup zone, like he said, against middle school kids. Okay, all right. I'm just telling you, he'll be back, and we'll be talking about him. It's a great point, uh, the Pearl comparison. That's an excellent like parallel to how this might shake out. Uh, how about this? Speaking of things shaking out, do you know how Darius Baisley in this decision of like uh, not going to the G League and not going to Syracuse, do you know how this is going to shake out? This seems like a really odd, out-of-the-box decision for an 18-year-old. Is this going to play out the way that he hopes with an NBA first-round pick? Or is this going to kind of blow up in his face and maybe things are not going to go according to plan? Is it going to be a Brandon Jennings thing where he still gets picked in the lottery? Is it going to be a Mitchell Robinson thing where he gets picked in the second round? Or is it going to be somewhere in the middle? Is there going to be a common ground or maybe even worse? I applaud Baisley for making this decision. Mm -hmm. I understand his rationale. The G League is not a great place for young athletes to go. He talked about it. I saw when he was interviewed. Everybody's going for theirs. They're not into winning. I I understand that, which is why when everybody says just declare early and go to the G League, that's not a path. I, I do like that he's self-aware enough to talk about the adjustment with adults as a younger player. I, I you know, he talked about his maturity, how he need you know, there's that element that no one seems to care about. An eighteen year olds hanging out with a thirty year old guy over in Europe. Fine. Brandon mm-hmm. Jennings navigated it, had a nice little NBA career. Okay, no problem with that. I have no idea, but I do like – I like his rationale for not going to the G League, but I wish he would go to college. Does that make any sense at all? I respect his decision. I yeah. think he's going to be a little rusty. I do. I don't think you can simulate a packed gym. You know, I don't think you can simulate going into Syracuse and playing in a, in a packed house there against a, a top Villanova team. I don't think you can simulate that over in, in Europe or playing in a five-on-five structured environment. But I'm with you. I don't think the G League is great. I love what the NBA is doing. It's just not. If you're a top prospect, go to college. Good luck. The results are mixed. Some guys have done well. Some guys haven't. Let's see what happens. But it's a scary thing, man, for a young 18, 19-year-old kid to be going overseas now and not developing, maturing as a young adult at a, at a, at a normal pace. I think that's an issue. But I wish him well, and I'm curious to see how he's going to do. So here's the thing that came to mind, and I started like trying to dive into this a little bit. How about this? What if the NBA gets rid of their one-and-done rule, uh, whether it be in uh, 2020 or 2021, and so all of any student-athlete coming out of high school can be drafted? Follow me along with this, okay? This is a little tricky. Do you think that we could possibly see an uptick in reclassification where kids can get their high school high school degree or diploma one year sooner, like uh, Marvin Bagley did this past year, okay, and then go to a college and redshirt for that season and then go to the draft, kind of like Hamadou Diallo did with Kentucky, where he almost left after his redshirt year. Do you think that that's a scenario? That could be a result of basically making this decision this particular year? Yes, it's certainly possible. The issue, what people are not addressing and no one is, these kids are all superstars. So you can't expect a kid to not think that he can make the NBA and he can be great and he can go overseas. The answer to any question, who to any kid who's in this situation, they answer yes. Do you think you can make the NBA? Yes. But, you know, nobody makes it. I'll make it. Can you go overseas and still make the NBA? Yes. I'll be the top pick overall. I'm the best player. That's their mindset. That's how they've become great. 
So I'd love to see them go to college and redshirt. I don't like what Diallo did because I think what you're seeing here, whether it's Diallo, let's see how Dante Exum does, Moutier, all these guys. I don't think we have a long history, Gus, of these players dominating when they get to the NBA. So I would rather see Baisley go play for a top Division One coach and develop. I like the reclassification. I think you'll see an uptick in the reclassification, and you'll see right. 17-year-old college kids. But I just wish they would play. I don't like the red shirting. I just think you got to be a competitor. You're an athlete. You compete, compete, go out there and play. Don't tell me that you can simulate it in practice because Hamadou Diallo is supposed to be like the 15th pick to the Bucks, and now he's terrible. So I think it can go the other way too. I think the Lenny Cook thing people have ignored for too long. It could happen. I respect his decision-making process. I just wish we saw him in college. I think the undersold part of this and the part that gets taken out of the equation somehow is that competitive element. You want to see how they work in a team construct. You want to see how they operate in the locker room. I think there's a lot of telling characteristics that those kids are going to miss out on just even during that one year of college. Like they're able to figure out how to negotiate uh, team uh, dynamics, how to, uh, how to work on relationships with certain coaches. There are a whole bunch of things that kids learn that aren't on a scouting report during that one year. And I think that basically, I think you're right. I think if we're going to have him like, you know, maybe scold him or say like, you didn't do this part right. Maybe that's the part that he didn't get right is missing out on that competitive opportunity. And then also the, the locker room and the practice habit stuff within a team construct. Yeah. How to be a cat to be a kid, let kids be kids, let them develop at the right time. It's a huge difference going from high school and playing for Duke basketball. That in and of itself is a huge jump, let alone being young and going overseas. I want to see him develop emotionally. I think it's important to learn how to take care of money, things like that. And last part for the podcast, listeners, and then we'll get you out of here. Is there anything else you want to follow up with uh, your old Roy as the crazy uncle uh, podcast? I thought your framing of the 15-year time span with Coach Cal, Coach K, Coach Self, and Coach Williams was absolutely perfect because it had a particular timeline that helped follow and tell the story. So not only was it a fair comparison – I think it was also an excellent story to tell. Was there anything else that you wanted to bring up about old Roy and maybe the underrated part of his success over the fa- past 15 years? Yeah, I'm done with people criticizing us. Uh, you know, you, uh, some Duke fan out there was like, oh, I'm not uh, – I'm not, I unsubscribe to your podcast. Whoa. Oh, okay. No problem, guys. We're very popular as it is. Okay. I did not – go. this is what – and I said this on the Patreon podcast. We, we, I did a vlog with the patrons. I didn't predetermine this. We don't hate your team. Gus and I do not hate. There are teams we like more than each other. Of course. Gus talks about Nevada, Gonzaga. You know my feelings. He talked about Michigan. There are teams that we have at Fanta. We do not dislike your team. Folks, I did not hate Duke. I don't hate Coach K. He's the greatest coach I've ever seen. Okay, do you hear me? That doesn't mean he's free of criticism. Okay, they did not play well last year. They couldn't play defense. They switched his zone out of desperation and they underachieved. Those are facts, whether you like it or not. I don't hate your team, but we keep it 100 here on the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Mm-hmm. We love college hoops. We talk about it all the time. That's the way it is. Two years ago, I told Gus, there's no way Gonzaga's beating St. Mary's. St. Mary's wins. Last year, I say, there's no way that St. Mary's beating Gonzaga. St. Mary's wins. That's what we do. I tell you what I see in my heart, and I am not going to not criticize Duke when it comes down to that. 
I have gone see Coach K. I've seen him do these clinics. He talks about the cerebralness. He wants you to buy in. Okay, it's not your shot. It's our shot. Okay, I understand that. That's a little hard to do with a kid who's reclassifying like Marvin Bagley, who's looking simply to get to April so he can get paid in the NBA draft. He's not sitting down with the incense and the book from Phil Jackson talking about Machiavelli and how he's not buying that. Okay, so I'm just telling you, the book may be out on whether Shashevsky can relate to these kids or not. So I know we got Zion, we got Reddish, we got Barrett, we got Ali Oops, we got NBA Jam players. I understand that, but I'm going to criticize, and it's really fair because if you look at Coach Care over the last 15 years, she's had some tough losses in the tournament. That's keeping it 100, and that's telling you the truth. I don't kowtow to anyone, folks, and we keep it real, and that's how it's going to continue here. Got that, listeners? <laughs> that's how we do it on the Screen to Screen Basketball Podcast. And just to bring it all the way back around, we just wanted to say thanks, and thank you for tuning in and listening to college basketball during the off season you can hear in mike and i's voice that we are getting ramped up for the season that is upcoming and if you want to give the podcast a follow please do on twitter at sds podcast love to interact with you that way if that's your choice of communication if you want to email the show please feel free SDS podcast at gmail.com love to uh, hook up with you that way if that is a way that you'd like to communicate with uh, mike or i and then please don't forget to give mike a follow at randall rant especially if you have an uh, nfl fantasy football draft uh, coming up in the coming days or this weekend or you have to catch some waiver things mike will catch you up on all of that as well and also don't ignore the youtube channel the screen to screener college basketball podcast youtube channel we'll try to put up a few more videos leading up to the season but we have a couple of uh pre-season player profiles and team breakdowns uh that we have up there and a couple of opinions as well uh the roy williams comparison being one of those so don't forget to check all of those avenues if you'd like to consume some further screen the screen or college basketball content. Mike, anything else for the listeners out there? No, that's pretty much it. I hear LL Cool J coming in, Gus. He's going to take us out tonight, okay? <laughs> I love that little L. Nothing wrong with a little, uh, nothing wrong with a little LL. BYU. Here we go. Cheers, cilantro, gratulations. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.